Welcome. Hey, this is Kevin Shinnick, writer of Star Wars Force Collector. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. To Star Wars Comics in Canon, the Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 122. So my friends, this week I'm delving into another edition of the Hidden Empire crossover comics. So I'm going to be tackling Hidden Empire number 2, as well as the Doctor Aphra 28 and Bounty Hunters 30, the both crossover with it. Now for Crimson Reign and War of the Bounty Hunters, I did the Star Wars and the Darth Vader crossovers as well. But I've read two or three issues past the issues that came out when Hidden Empire 2 came out for Star Wars and Darth Vader, and they don't seem to connect with Hidden Empire. I've looked online in places like Wikipedia and a few other places, but I can't really see that the main Star Wars run of comics or that the Vader comics actually connect. I may find out that I'm actually wrong, and then we get to Hidden Empire 5 and I should have done all the crossover things. But what I'm thinking about doing is probably continuing this trend of Hidden Empire 3 with Aphra and Bounty Hunters and then Hidden Empire 4 with the same but then before I release Hidden Empire 5 probably doing the Star Wars and the Darth Vader comics up to that point because they should have finished an arc by then and then people have a good idea when we go into Hidden Empire 5 just in case if there is some story that connects with it from Star Wars or Darth Vader that we kind of get the full picture so that's kind of explaining what I'm doing in this episode as well as what I'm going to be doing in future ones. Now, if you haven't tuned into Star Wars Comics in Canon previously, hello there, I hope you enjoy yourself, I would recommend going back and listening to my episode on Hidden Empire 1, that was episode 121, so it's two releases ago, because last episode's release was the Force Collector review, as a sort of tie-in for my interview with Kevin Shinnick, the author of Force Collector, so make sure you check those things out. But also, I'm going to go through the details of each of these comics' plots, and then along the way give you a bit more information on certain things that I find intriguing, they might be artifacts, they might be species, planets, characters, those sorts of things, so you're not missing out on what happens in the canon from the comic perspective but i'm not telling you so much that you can't pick up the comic and enjoy it because i always recommend to everyone pick up these comics where you can support the creators because they're fantastic because there are a few things i miss out the action scenes i don't really talk about much and there's a few lines of dialogue that aren't explicitly relevant but are fun to read so i always want to encourage yourselves to try and pick up these comics where you can but if you don't you still get a good understanding of the canon and you get a nice understanding of the wider canon as well with all the little bits and pieces that i add on along the way so with that in mind, my friends, let's move on to the first release of the three, and that is Hidden Empire number two. So Hidden Empire 2 was written by Charles Soule. The penciler is Stephen Cummings. The inker is Victor Olazaba. The colour artist is Guru EFX. It was released the 7th of December 2022 and it will be released in the trade paperback collection of the five Hidden Empire comics on July 4th, 2023. So with that in mind, my friends, let's get into the crawl to remind you what happened in the last issue. Part 2 the Dawn Fleet. Dreaming of a freer galaxy, Lady Kira and her organization Crimson Dawn have waged a secret war against the Empire. Kira activated operatives across the galaxy to cause havoc and distract the Emperor while she saw a power capable of deposing the Sith Lord. 
Kira learned the means of prevailing against the Sith from her predecessor, Maul. His teachings led her to the Fomata Cage, an artifact that sealed away an ancient Sith Lord suspended in time. Kira tasked the Archivist with freeing the Sith to serve as a weapon against the Empire. Kira's smokescreen bought her time, but she has earned the Emperor's undivided attention and wrath. Seeking to eradicate Crimson Dawn, the Emperor ordered the destruction of their flagship, the Vermilion. Kira escaped aboard Chanith Char's ship, yet urgently needs the Archivist to complete her work. The disturbance in the Force caused by the artifact serves as a beacon to Kira's enemies, and Crimson Dawn cannot hide forever. So delving straight into the plot, the star of each of the Hidden Empire comics is two hooded figures sat by a hologram of the Archivist, assumedly saying like a recorded message, it's still sort of unclear, and so that's where we are right now. So this hollow of the Archivist explains that the Empire needed enemies, and that Crimson Dawn hid initially because they were so small, but now as they've been revealed as a threat, down came the boot. So, continuing the story. Kira is on Chanith Char's ship, watching the Crimson Dawn escape pods get targeted by the Empire and shot. She's understandably frustrated by this, but Chanith Char reminds her that they're only doing that because they think she might be aboard one of the escape pods. So they head to a secret Crimson Dawn safe house called Dawnfall Base, which is sort of underneath a waterfall, sort of you have to fly through a waterfall and it's this big open cave and it is massive. She has a fleet of small and large ships in there, she has loads of resources, loads of people and personnel, she notes that she didn't waste a single resource. Kira then comes to the archivist, who is there with Kofon Farris, who's a character from the Afro comics, and they're trying to reactivate the Fomata cage, but they're saying that we have to be careful because Palpatine may know, and Kira says, oh, Palpatine already knows. As soon as they find that out, Ko wants to then bail, but the archivist is like, no, no, don't leave, and gives them a rag. So, Ko stays. Now, this rag is actually a raiment which was owned by Darth Shah, also known as Lady Shah. So, Darth Shah was a Sith Lord, or a Sith Lady, and she was Lord Momin's master. She was killed by him in a lightsaber duel, and you actually see him in the 22nd issue of the 2017 run of Darth Vader, unsurprisingly written by Charles Saul. It's in the Fortress Vader arc, which is where Vader built his fortress on Mustafar, and the mask of Momin helped him, and I tackle all of that information in episode 74 of Comics in Canon, so go check that out. So while the Archivist and Co. still trying to figure out the Fomata Cage business, it goes and shows what Darth Vader is up to. He's talking to Palpatine, and although they do not believe that a Sith was awoken, they still think that Kira is dead, but they still need to stop the Fomata Cage from opening, because it could be a serious threat. Back to the Archivist and Co., Co. has made a machine from Ascendant Technology, which will draw out the dark side energy from the space around them, sort of like a focusing lens, but it is hungry. So they turn it on, it activates, and then Luke, Yoda, Palpatine, and Vader all feel it. You get to see their reaction faces. But it starts to kill the Archivist and Kofon Farris. It seems to be draining the life force of the energy out of the air all around them. Ko manages to turn it off, but Palpatine managed to find it by honing it on the dark side beacon, as it were. And Palpatine tells Vader to go and find them. While this is happening, Margo speaks to Kira. Margo is the Imrusian, who is the chalk-skinned individual. You see her in Solo, A Star Wars Story briefly, but she's been at Kira's side basically since then. And she tells Kira that all the syndicates are stopping their deals with them, and there are bounties on Crimson Dawn agents and everything. So Kira says to tell her people to go into safe houses. If there's anyone who wants to stay and fight, make sure their families are rewarded, but that is not an expectation. And with Kira is Kedalia, Kedalia being the heir to both the Unbroken Clan and the Mourner's Whale crime syndicates. And Kedalia's whole backstory is all detailed in the Bounty Hunters comics. So although Kedalia is worried, Kira doesn't seem to be. She says that Crimson Dawn has served its purpose, and therefore it can die. But also, Kedalia is Kira's last hope. 
The archivist then comms Kira and says that they almost died turning that machine on. So Kira says, look, move on and try again with the Formata cage. But then Darth Vader's Star Destroyer, the Executor, arrives. The archivist is still on the comm to Kira and is freaking out, really worried they're going to die, obviously, because Vader's coming. And Kira says that she thought this would happen, so she is sent and then it cuts out. And the archivist notes to Ko that their comms are being jammed. Ko says that they have a plan, and then Darth Vader decides he's going to head down. So Darth Vader lands on the planet, moves some rubble, and finds Ko and Archivist hiding underneath some rubble. Ko immediately wants to submit and is terrified, however the Archivist does not want to submit. So Vader decides to force choke both of them. Before he can squeeze all of the life out of them, someone yells out Vader, and it turns out to show Chanith Char and her crew, the orphans. They call out Darth Vader because Chanith Char wants revenge. He says he doesn't remember her but he says that she is dead and he is her death. And that is where Hidden Empire number two ends. So a little bit more information on Chanith Char. So she's popped up in the Hidden Empire comics. I think it's the last issue I gave a little bit of bio information on her. And she was also in the Lando comics as well. That's where she made her canon debut. But her crew being the orphans include Droid, Lady Bright, and then the humans, Seer and Amara Vex. Now Amara Vex is actually in the Star Wars Hunters video game that I believe is free to play on Android, but is coming out on the Switch and a few other consoles, I believe this year in 2023. So if you're a big fan of video games and Amara Vex, go check that out. But in short, Chanath Char, her parents were killed by Vader, and then she swore she wouldn't get revenge on him while in front of him, and that is the only reason her life was spared, and then as soon as she was essentially out of range of him, she then decided to plot against him. But that is the end of Hidden Empire number 2, so let's move on to the next issue, Dr. Aphra 28. So this is in the 2020 run of Dr. Aphra Comics, the second run of Aphra. The writer is Alyssa Wong, the artist is Minkyu Jung, and the colour artist is Rachel Rosenberg. It was released January 25th, 2023, and we do not yet have confirmation of when the trade paperback is going to be released. With that in mind, here's the crawl. After a gruelling possession and a cunning hack, Afra has finally regained control of her body and established a tentative truce with the Spark Eternal. Sana Staros and her team barely survived the destruction after a failed Afra rescue mission. Just Lucky and Ariel Yu saved them from the wreckage, but at great cost. Meanwhile, the use of Ronan Taig's medical technology has left Sana and her team in enormous debt. Ronan attempted to get Sana under his thumb, but she refused. Hearing that Ronan intended to use his connections within Crimson Dawn to usurp his aunt Domina as the head of Taig Corporation, Sana abruptly joined his side. So the comic starts with Boosh and crew having a shootout on the Acquisitor, Domina Taig's flagship. They're killing Crimson Dawn agents who are destroying everything. Boosh and co then make it to Domina Taig, who is completely fine. Now Boosh is an Ubiz bounty hunter. Now Boosh is an Ubiz bounty hunter. Now you wouldn't necessarily recognise Boosh because they've never really appeared anywhere outside of the comics in canon. However, you will recognise them because Leia disguised herself as Boosh in the Return of the Jedi when she went to Jabba's palace and wearing that iconic helmet. That is Boosh's helmet. Now in the Forces of Destiny mini cartoons, they're only like two or three minutes long each. I think they're all on Disney+, Plus, but they were on YouTube. That shows how she got it. Now that is canon, even though it's meant for very, very young ages. But I don't know if we're going to explore that story anymore, if there's going to be further information about it. I assume we will at some point, but... It will probably be in the certain point of view Return of the Jedi. And as of recording this, we are in the 40th year anniversary of Return of the Jedi. So the certain point of view thing is probably going to be coming out. And I imagine that Boosh's story is going to be in there. And it's going to be some sort of vague retelling of that Forces of Destiny episode. All of Boosh's crew are also Ubis. And they're all speaking the language of Ubis. But obviously as comic readers, we can understand what they're saying. 
So while that's all going on on Domino's ship, you've got Sana Staros, Magna Tolvan, and Detta Yao, as well as Just Lucky and Ariel Yu heading to the Taig flagship, because Ronan Taig has got Afra's dad Corin and Ustachia Oka as hostages. Just Lucky notes that they all owe him for giving a big favour to Ronan Taig, and then they get out of hyperspace. They see that Taig ships are all over, they are attacking each other. Ariel Yu is the pilot, and they're all just baffled as to what is going on. Meanwhile, on the ship itself, Dominic is wearing a new protoblade gauntlet and takes it out to fight the incoming Crimson Dawn agents with a little bit of help from Boosh, and she just absolutely decimates all of them. It's basically like a lightsaber sort of thing that you can kind of wear, but it seems to only hold charge for about a minute, and in the prior Afro comics, we have seen Domino use one of the prior prototypes, but Tay Corporation are always improving, so this one is seemingly a bit better than the last. Domino decides the best way to retake the ship is to head to the bridge. Meanwhile, Sana and co. see the chaos must be caused by Crimson Dawn. They get onto the flagship, and then they realise that Domina must be heading for the bridge. We then get some very, very cool artwork, and once again, I hugely recommend people pick up these comics, try and support the creators where you can, and you get the added benefit of reading them and seeing some of this incredible artwork. But one of the pieces of artwork is, it's one full page, and on one side of the page, you've got Domina and her crew kind of running down a corridor, and on the other page, you've got Sana and her crew running down. Obviously, there's symmetry there, and it's really, really cool. So they eventually get to the same area, and then they start all fighting each other. Sana does note that it was Ronan Taig who ordered them to do this and is paying them to do so, and Domina is not really surprised but asks if there's any actual evidence of this, any recording or something. Sana says no, and then they start to fight. So Domino activates her blade and starts going for them. She manages to cut Just Lucky's sniper in half, and he's quite upset about that because he's like, oh, these are expensive. And then while this fighting is all going on, there's a couple of wounds, but no one seems to have been fatally wounded. Ronan Taig enters with troops and Lapin. Now, Lapin was Domino's assistant. He is seen in relatively all the panels with Domino Taig until recently. And earlier on in the comic, Domino did question where has Lapin gone, and it seems that Lapin has taken the side of Ronan Taig. So Ronin and Domino then have an argument in front of everyone. Domino says to Ronin that he's just a petulant child who just wants to ruin what he can't have. Ronin retorts and explains that he's going to kill her and take over, all thanks to Crimson Dawn, and all of his grand master plans, and how he's finally succeeded in things. Sana then says to Domino, is that enough of a confession for you? And Domino says, yeah, seems to be. And then Ronin collapses onto the floor, paralysed. And it shows that Lapin has injected Ronin with a paralysing agent, and Lapin also recorded the whole confession. Domino then stands over him and stabs him right through the throat in her now somewhat deactivated protoblade, but it's still a very sharp sword. And it seems to be confirmed that Ronan Taig is now finally dead. So Domino then thanks Sana Staros, and it's confirmed that this was all the plan. Sana's crew are all looking at her like, what? You actually planned this? And Sana says, oh yeah, basically, but you guys couldn't know. And Sana says to Domino that she wants all of their deaths erased completely, including Afra and Just Lucky's, as well as all of Ronin's hostages released, and also Sana wants a new Vault Cobra, which is the name of her ship that was destroyed in the prior issue. Domino agrees to these terms, and then Just Lucky's like, is that it? Can we go? I thought you'd be more mad. I mean, look all these ships that you've lost. And she says, well, you think this is our only Tag fleet? We have many more ships hidden across the galaxy, and Crimson Dawn will rise, but eventually they will then die, but the Tags will outlast them. Domino then offers all of them jobs, and they all do reject because they say they've got something to do, and that's to go and get Afra and the Spark. They manage to find Kofon Faris, who tells them where Crimson Dawn are, where the Spark Eternal is, including where Aphra is, and also what Kira's plans are. And Ko says it's going to kill all of them. And the final panel of this comic shows that Kira is there with the Fermata Cage with a Spark-infected Dr. Aphra. So that is the end of that issue. So move on to the final issue of this little batch, Bounty Hunters number 30. 
So Bounty Hunters 30 was written by Ethan Sachs, the artist is Paolo Villanelli, and the colour artist is Arif Prianto. It was released January 18th, 2023, and any confirmation about a trade paperback, much like the Afrocomics, has yet to be announced. So with that in mind, let's get into the crawl. There is a shadow war raging across the galaxy between the Empire and the criminal syndicate known as Crimson Dawn. That conflict has Ta'onga's bounty hunter crew, Bosk, Zuckus, 4LOM, Losha, and Tasu Leech on a collision course with Valance's team of heroes aboard a supply transport on the Imperial outpost of Bestine. One of them is also harbouring a secret that may tear Valance's world apart. So the issue starts off with a flashback. Ta'onga is at a bar with her brother Ta'ongor, who obviously was killed in the first issue of Bounty Hunters. Ta'onga spots a bartender who is incredibly attractive, and who is it? It is Losha, her now wife. Meanwhile, you've got Bosk, Valance, and Akano Lash there on a table talking about the job, and Akano Lash says that the crew is great because they're like a family. She asks them all to look after each other, and even in the worst moments, they need to remember that they are not alone. So as a light reminder, Nakano Lash is from the early Bounty Hunters comics, I think only in the first arc or so. She is a female Nautilan, so the same species as Kit Fisto, and in that little conversation, Bosk also mentions that he ate his entire family because it is a Trandoshan rite of passage. If you want to find out a little bit more about Nakano Lash and the first volume of Bounty Hunters, check out episode 75 of Comics and Canon. So back in the plot, it cuts back to now, away from that flashback, and you've got Bela, Valance, and Taonga talking. Toonga tells Valance that Cadelia is with Crimson Dawn, and that Yura and her husband were bombed by the Imperials. He is then absolutely devastated because this is the first he's ever hearing about it, and he's only been fighting for the Empire over the last however many weeks or months, because he believed he was doing it to save Yura from being killed. He thinks that they extracted it from his memory banks, so he completely blames himself. There's a few really powerful comic pages here where you can see him kind of spiralling, and then he just collapses in tears. But Toonga tells him that he isn't alone, and that he's with family. Now, although that Valance believes that it was himself who's to blame due to Eura, it is actually Crimson Dawn, because in the second issue of the Crimson Rain crossover comics, a Crimson Dawn agent, Deathstick, who is a bounty hunter from Dathomir, reported the rebel base that Eura was at to the Empire so she could go in, extract Cadalia, and then there would be no witnesses. But obviously no one in Bounty Hunters knows this. So while Valance and Ta'onga are talking, it shows that Bosk, Tasu Leech, Zuckus, and Losha are all being held captive by some Imperials. The Imperials are shore troopers, I detailed them in the last episode, so go check that if you want more information on those, but you'd recognise them from Rogue One. The shore troopers are getting agitated by the bounty hunter crew's constant antagonising, and then when they are about to start attacking these people, Valance shows up and says to not kill them. The trooper says, well what's one more dead rebel sympathiser? And Valance says, you just said the wrong thing. And then he punches straight through the chest of the shore trooper, so his fist is out the other side of his back. When this happens, all the other troopers attack and say that Valance has gone mad and he's betraying them. And then Valance, one by one, kills all of them. The two Revengers that are there say that Valance clearly has betrayed Vader. But then Valance says, no, Vader betrayed us. And he shows that the medical supplies that they were meant to be taking to some locals and helping out are not medical supplies. They are boxes and boxes of explosives. Without any further time to breathe, two TIE Fighters then approach. Valance quickly grabs one of the detonators and throws it at the wing of a TIE Fighter that blows it up. Before the other TIE Fighter approaches, 4LOM is in the Bounty Hunter's ship and takes out the second TIE Fighter. Valance then comes to the Righteous Fist Star Destroyer, which is where the Lieutenant Hayden is on, and he says that he knows what happened about Yura. 
And he questions anything that they had because obviously they kissed a couple issues ago. And she says what they had was still real to her. And she says that Yura's death was unfortunate, but... And then he cuts her off and says to not dare speak her name. Valancer says he's going to complete his mission, sort of, and ends the communication. And Hayden is left there crying. And in the background, you see the shadow of Darth Vader. Valance decides to send the transport at an Imperial base at full speed, packed with explosives. It hits the base and does a very, very large explosion, and then someone swims ashore. It's the Trandoshan, who is Tanker, the third member of the Revengers, after having that sort of fight with Bosk on the ship and being thrown off board. Tanker is like, uh, yeah, I'm fine, but what did I miss? Valance then notes that his attack was just bait. Toonga wants to leave, but Valance is ready to fight Darth Vader. Vader's ship lands, and Vader exits, along with Lieutenant Hayden behind him, and Vader says that Valance is a disappointment, but betrayal will not be tolerated. And that is where issue 30 ends. So my friends, that is the end of another collection of crossover comics, specifically for the Hidden Empire. I'll be tackling Hidden Empire 3 in the future, I'll get into what's coming up shortly, but it's worth noting here some of the other things I've been involved with. Always check out the show notes, there's loads of information there, you can find loads of other content, I've been in lots of guest spots recently and there's a few to come this month. I've also started the weekly Mandalorian discussion episodes. As of recording this right now, I've got the first episode out, I'm due to record the second episode tonight and it should be released on Friday, so the day before this episode drops on the feed of Comics Emotion or on the YouTube channel of Genuine Chit Chat, the second Mandalorian discussion episode should be released, and I believe I'm speaking with Angry Andy and Ben of Star Wars Timeline. In addition to that, I started a new show, Rebels Reviewed, with Maff and Dave. That's also on the Comics Emotion feed and also on the Genuine Chit Chat YouTube channel. Generally speaking, everything I release either on Genuine Chit Chat or on this Comics Emotions feed slash the Star Wars Comics and Canon feed they also get released onto youtube.com slash genuine chits chat. So if you want to get things that are all in different playlists, if you want video versions of a lot of the episodes I release and other bonus content and stuff I've been involved with, please go subscribe to youtube.com slash genuine chits chat. In addition to that, if you want to keep up to date with myself and a lot of other amazing creators without having to follow us on all these different social media platforms, the perfect way to do it is by subscribing to the weekly newsletter, The Pop Culture Collective. A link to that is in the description. As I said, weekly newsletter, you get all the updates of stuff I've been up to, as well as other incredible creators, including Tony Farina, including Dave and Chris of VHS Strikes Back, Comics in Motion, and the Reality Cast, the Femon Collective, and there's a few other individuals too who contribute periodically. Obviously, you still can follow me on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Genuine Chits Chat. I post photos of the many comics I deal with on this show. I post snippets of my Genuine Chit Chat episodes. They're usually a 30 to 60 second clip that I've taken from one of the episodes that I've just released. So you can find out all the information there. And also on my Instagram stories, there's highlights of the collections. So if you want to just find all of the Hidden Empire stuff or all the Crimson Rain stuff, etc., you can find them there. Or you can go over to YouTube where all those things are in playlists too. So then, moving forward, what have we got coming up? Well, I've got the Clone Wars Battle Tales IDW comic that I'm going to be doing shortly-ish. I keep thinking I'm going to do it, and then I get a whole another delivery of comics of things that are slightly more exciting to me. So we'll see. I should be doing that soon. But next week, I'm likely going to be doing the book review for the High Republic Convergence book. That is the main adult novel of Phase 2, Wave 1. It follows Path of Deceit and Quest for the Hidden City, which are both book reviews I've already released, so go check those out as well. Once I've released the Convergence review, 
review, I will then start to put together the review of the Battle of Jeddah audio drama that I'm currently halfway through, and then I'll start tackling the High Republic Marvel comics, because I've got five issues of that at the moment, there's going to be ten issues in total, because Phase 2 of the High Republic is slightly shorter than Phase 1. Phase 1 had three waves, each wave got three books released, five uh, main comics in the Marvel run, three or four comics in the IDW Adventures comics, and then a mini-series or so, whereas for Phase 2 there's only going to be two waves, but there's still going to be a lot of other content. But yeah, I'll be tackling next week, so Convergence Book Review, the week after that. I may end up doing the High Republic comics, just the first volume of those. I may end up doing the first collection of Yoda comics, because there's going to be 10 Yoda comics in total, and the fifth one of those is getting delivered to me very soon. I may also do the finishing volume of the Han Solo and Chewbacca comics, because there's going to be 10 of those in total, and the 10th one is being delivered to me very soon as well. So any of those could be ones that I'll be doing after Convergence. I'll just kind of see how busy my weeks are. It is also coming near April 1st, and I said a little while ago that on April 1st I'm going to be releasing one of the first non-canon books. It's going to be connecting with Star Wars Visions, specifically with the Duel episode, which connects with the book Ronan. So that'll be released on April 1st as a kind of fun little thing because, you know, it's April Fool's Day and it's not technically canon because Visions has its own kind of continuity thing. But I'll delve into all of that and explain all stuff about Visions on that episode. But yeah, that's generally what's coming up over the next few weeks. In addition to that, in April, I am going to be going to Star Wars Celebration in London. So if anyone is listening and going to that, hit me up and you may be able to meet me depending on what my scheduling and stuff is like. But I'm planning on recording a few things while I'm there. And also myself and Megan will be recording our thoughts on the Mandalorian episode that will be coming out that week. But that's, I think, going to be one of the last ones. I think it's either episode six or seven out of eight. So make sure you take a look out for those as well. In addition to that, my friends, you can support me over at Patreon. So patreon.com slash genuinechitchat. For as little as one pound a month, you get access to over 150 episodes of Afterthoughts and there's new episodes every single week. There's Legends book reviews of Shatterpoint, the Darth Bane trilogy, Darth Plagueis, Rogue Squadron, I think I've released up there as well now. I've also recorded my review of Revan. I've finished listening to Darth Maul Shadowhunter and then I've got a few other Legends books as well that I'm going to be releasing over there too. There's also my canon book review of A New Dawn, which I don't believe I've released anywhere else. And and there's also lots of movie and TV reviews by myself and Megan. Most of them are not Star Wars, but we have reviewed all the Star Wars movies, so you can go listen to those as well. But as I said, over 150 episodes of Afterthoughts there right now, and you can get access to every single one of them for only £1 a month. So please consider going over and doing that. I appreciate each and every one of you listening, especially all the way up to the very end. And make sure if you haven't already, go listen to the Path of Deceit book review and the Quest for the Hidden City book review, because I start off spoiler-free of my thoughts, then I give a few more details, and then I give full spoiler warnings and give you a plot overview, so you have a good understanding what's going on in the era of the High Republic without having to pick up every single piece of content like I've been doing. And if you want to check out all the Phase 1 High Republic content, I've tackled every single one of those, and that is over in my YouTube playlist, which is High Republic. Or you can type in Star Wars Comics and Canon, The High Republic, wherever you listen to podcasts, and it will come up on the feed of Comics in Motion. But thank you so much again, my friends. I really appreciate all of you listening. Please make sure you support me, share with your friends, talk with your friends about this amazing show, share on social media, all those amazing things, and leave reviews on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Good Pods, and anywhere else that you listen. So, thanks again. I'll speak to you next week with my book review. And as always, may the Force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast.
Mike Burton.